welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I'm Ted Cluck, joined by Barnabas Piper and Ronnie Martin. And uh, boys, we have uh, we have a lot to talk about today, um, including we have one serious topic and two funny ones. So uh, I think I think what we're going to do is start serious and end funny. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Pipe, you've got some uh, some business to take care of, man, because it's raining sponsors right now. It is raining sponsors. <laughs> uh, we have with us. Uh, as a sponsor, Nav Press again, uh, as they have been and as they will be for another episode or two. And so they, they are still pushing and highlighting those Jerry Bridges books, which are The Blessing of Humility and The Pursuit of Holiness. And uh, I think it's I think there's something pretty cool about uh, a publishing company spending time and money on an author who's been around for, you know, decades, but they, they still see this as pertinent and relevant and timeless. And so they're reintroducing, uh, Bridges works to an audience who might've otherwise missed it. So I, I think, uh, listeners should check this out. So again, the I think that's really cool, man. Everything in publishing is about new, you know, new, 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 but big R maybe in 20 years, they'll be talking about our books. You never know. One can only hope if we, if, I mean, if someday we, we can actually write a classic, you know, worthy of being talked about in twenty years. Exactly. So. exactly. Well, and, I, and I think it's, I think there's something to be said for we, you know, you you get guys like like Bridges or or J.I. Packer or R.C. Sproul or some of these guys who, they were they have influenced the people who have influenced us, and so it, it really behooves us as the you know if we if we are leaders in any capacity to go back and tap into those people who influenced our influencers. And so listeners go check out these, these two books specifically, the blessing of humility and the pursuit of holiness, um, from NAF press. You can get them at Amazon or Lifeway stores, uh, little company man push there. So go check those out. Uh, the other sponsor we have is Moody publishers. They are back with us. We, we actually gave them a little bit of a teaser last week, but, uh, they're highlighting a book called on pastoring, a short guide to living, leading and ministering as a pastor by HB Charles. Um, it's a phenomenal book. So if you're in ministry or really, especially if you're looking at going into ministry, I'd say this is a book that you could, this is sort of a, a foundational manual kind of book. Uh, Charles has been pastoring since he was about 18 years old and mm. he writes about how he's 22 now. Yeah. He's, he's, been, he's been doing it for all, you know, four years. He's, uh, he's experienced. No, I mean, he's, he, so he's been doing it for, for over 20 years now. And he writes with humility. He writes, it's a really practical book. So, I mean, everything from sermon preparation to your caring for your own soul to maintaining humility and perspective. But the thing that stands out to me is that he does not waste time on any of the peripheral aspects of ministry. It is its character, its scripture, its relationship with God. It's all of the things that that a pastor ought to be deeply invested in. It's not about, you know, platforms and techniques and strategies, mm-hmm. all of which are good things, but they are the, the tangential things. So that book is called On Pastoring, A Short Guide to Living, Leading, and Ministering as a Pastor by H.B. Charles. It just came out this past week. And uh, I would anybody who, if you want to encourage your pastor, get them this book. If you are a pastor, get this one. Or if you're looking at being a pastor, I would get this book. It's it's really really good. Now, Pipe, do we have a sense for what the HB stands for in in the name HB Charles? Yeah, I was curious about that myself. I appreciate oh, you asking I, that. Big no G. problem, Big R. I don't know, but I I I think if we don't know the answer to a question, we should just 
we should just fill in the blanks. Make, make something up if yeah, we don't know I mean, the answer I, the, to something. The H, yeah, I think that's always a good Horatio, right? I mean, Hiram. absolutely. Hiram. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, the last time I heard H.B. Charles, I was thinking like Hiram uh, Benjamin. All right, Pipe, what do you got for the B? Uh, I mean, Benjamin's good, but I mean, I'm going to go with Barnabas. So I'm going to go with Horatio Barnabas <laughs> Charles. Oh, the, you know what? I think that's a, that's oh, a winner e- right there. Ego's really landing landing heavy and hard today already. Her, All right. Horatio Barnabas. Let's roll with that. I mean, and if your name was Horatio Barnabas, wouldn't you go by H.B. as well? Because who wants to be called that? Absolutely. Uh, Big R, would you ever use the initials in uh, in, in a publishing context? I feel like no. once you reach a certain uh, a certain age as a thinker, as a theologian, you, you go with the initials. Is that is that in your future? Yeah, I mean, I, what I what I felt and what I have uh, regretted many times is that I didn't start with the initials. And so my question mm-hmm. is, if we didn't start with initials, are we allowed to to add them later, or are we just stuck forever? That's what I, I need to know. I think it's a rebrand. You know, it's it's sort of like, uh, <laughs> yeah, never mind. I'm not going to say that, but. I'll, 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 <laughs> I, I don't know where you were going of, with that, but I'm, some of I'm Madonna's sure. various uh, kind of rebrands and 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 changes in approach yeah. over the years. So, in other words, like if I want to go so- with Sasha Fierce here in a couple of years, yeah, yeah. When, when I when I when I re- finally release that book that that actually people are going to buy, um, yeah, may, maybe that's the time to do that. I got to come up with an alter ego. Yeah, when you're ready for a change in uh, in approach completely, um, that that's when you do it, man. That's what yeah, I'll, I'll throw out the initials. I'll, I'll, I'll have my R.C. Sproul moment at some R. J. point, Martin. obviously. I was going to go with R. Joseph Martin. What do you guys think about that? Maybe I, I think that's strong because I, I think R.J. sounds like a little kid. Yeah, you know it what does. I mean? yeah. R. Like Joseph Mama, Martin R. sounds like a guy that sells some books. R. Joseph yeah. Martin sounds like a cult leader. <laughs> Dude, you're right. L. Ron Hubbard and R. Joseph Martin <laughs> on the same panel discussion. I you know, I, I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with, I'm gonna roll with it as a consideration for the future. I so. like it, Big R. I like R. Joseph. I, I think I think you got you got you're onto something there. What about R. Joseph? Just skip the last name. How about how about getting like kind of just edgy like that? How about that? I like it. All just right, R. Joseph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's real. Cool. Guess it. That's real cool. You know, leader, I feel like that it? works better in the in the music industry than on the. I'm picturing that on the cover of a book. I mean, unless unless you was a particularly edgy book. Yeah. Well, we don't write those, so yeah, yeah. maybe one applies. Exactly. So I don't. Our you know, industry I don't doesn't know. do those. Right. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Boys, we uh, we do have some some things to talk about. One of which is serious, and it, it's it's interesting. We, you know, we we talked off the air about this topic, and uh, what we're going to talk about is um, is rape culture and this this case that happened at Stanford. Uh, all over the news right now, and it's generating a lot of dialogue. And, and Big R, you said, you know, I think it's good that we're talking about this. And I, full disclosure, for the life of me, I can't understand why. I, I, I don't know what we're going to contribute to it that other than just saying, man, it's it's sad, it's astonishing, it's, yeah, it's heavy, you know. Um, yeah, I it, know, because what you're saying is what, you know, three middle class, like, white dudes you know right what are on we a podcast thing but but at, exactly. at the same time yeah. i do i do appreciate you bringing it up and i do think that um you know as parents you guys have daughters this is one of those topics about which people say you, you know guys will tend to sort of you know sigh and say things like well i'm glad i don't have daughters but i have two boys you know i have two boys in the house who i'm trying to raise to be 
you know, obviously Christian in their worldview, but also just kind and respectful and, um, yeah, just, I, I would, I would venture to say this topic has, I don't know, I don't know if you can draw a neat dividing line more, t- more to do with parenting boys than it does girls. I agree. Because I agree more because no woman is ever at fault for a sexual assault done to her. Does not That's matter right. what decisions she has made if a man forcibly or or coerces her into into any sexual act. That's not her fault. And right. so that 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 doesn't take the responsibility off me to raise my daughters to be to be godly and be strong and be confident enough to to fend off somebody or to make good decisions. But again, right. never a woman's fault. Whereas it we we have failed young men if the phrase rape culture can exist. Like that right. that phrase should not exist. So like how how can rape be a culture unless it's Sodom and Gomorrah? Like that's obscene. Well, and, and I think you make a great point. And this this story brings in, to me, all kinds of interesting things about socioeconomics and the culture and pornography and just sort of the, um, yeah, the, the, the deadening effect over time of this over-sexualized culture that we live in. So just to, just to very briefly recap the story, and then I'll let you guys riff on this. Um, there was a swimmer, right? He was a swimmer at Stanford. Um, so very high-end school, high-end you know, uh, socioeconomic status ostensibly. Um, and he raped a girl at a party, um, and, and got off with a very light sentence. And, uh, and now there's, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this. So, um, you guys as fathers of daughters have, uh, have a unique perspective on this. So big R, you brought this topic to our attention. Um, yeah. What did you want to say about it? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I'm open. I'm open to any kind of dialogue about it. To be honest, the reason why it, it, you know, I, I had, I had gotten into a conversation with my own daughter who's 20 years old, and she, um, you know, she listens to the rant, and uh, she suggested that we do a little riffing on it. And again, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of justifiable moral outrage in terms of this, um, you know, youngish privileged white swimmer who got off on a very like lenient sentence from the judge six months because the judge said it would have a a, it would be basically essentially it would be bad for him to be in prison for longer than that and my thought was well isn't that the point that's the point it's supposed to be bad for him (laughs) right so i think man again the implications for this right so we man we we can sort of shoot off into like many i think I think there's so many different lanes we could we could we could drive down when it when it comes to this, and I think it's just the sa- I think you kind of hit on it a little bit, uh, a big T, which is just the sadness of a culture that decides what it 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 has made it's made its own moral decisions on what is is more important and what is less important in regards yeah. to um to issues of um you know, uh, to, to issues of sexuality in general. And then again, um, you know, sexual crimes against women in general saying, well, we, we have decided that this is more important. This is less important. And then, and then, you know, in, in the midst of that, you know, we, we make all kinds of value judgments. Um, right. You've got a judge saying, you know, because this guy, you know, is a well to do swimmer at Stanford, you know, prison would really be bad for him. Like, right. you know, his life is more sort of 
worth protecting in the sense of, you know, we're going to keep him out of the, you know, sort of the, the pitfalls of the legal system and, and just assume that he's going to be okay because he's, you know, he's got some bank and he's got a dad who wrote like a, a really heartstring pulling letter on, on his behalf. You know what I right. mean? So in other words, like, so his, so what, what got heightened, what, what's most important, the thing that we're valuing the most uh, you know, with this decision is his career trajectory, right? So now that is what is taking precedence. That's what's taking center stage is career trajectory and how this guy is going to be able to operate in a world now that is going to afford him less privilege because of, of what his, of his father said was just, a, you know, a 20 minute mistake. You right. know what I mean? So what it now does is it discounts the damage being done to the victim. It sort of takes that and it puts that in a category saying that, well, we, we can't do anything about that. Um, we now have to deal with this on the basis of how this guy is supposed to now live in society as somebody that is going to be a sex offender, whereas nobody's dealing with how this woman now is supposed to you Dude, know, even, even the society as a victim. Right, exactly. That is astonishing. You know, a 20-minute mistake. Like, forgetting your keys is a he, mistake. He, his, right. his father called it 20 minutes of action. Yes, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. That's right. He didn't even call it a mistake. Like mistake falls about 4 billion miles shy of what it was because a mistake is forgetting your keys. A mistake is, you know, oh, I forgot to send that email or whatever. Yeah. Oops, I left my coffee on the top of the car. You know, when you call it 20 minutes of action, like to me and and I'm I'm stereotyping here, but Mm -hmm. uh to me, that says that this is a father-son relationship where his dad was the one who like, – his dad is a total enabler. He's an, yeah. He is an enabler of all, all of his sexual exploits. He is an enabler of all of his all of his poor habits and, and all of his quote-unquote mistakes. That's what I read in that. And it like, – I cannot imagine – and I don't, I don't have boys, but like I can't imagine being a parent of any child, having them commit a crime like that against somebody – and defending them for it, period. Right. Mm. Like yeah. I would be worse than the prison system if yeah. my son did that. Yeah, right. And I, what I like about it, what I when, when I say that, you know what I mean when I say what I like about this. Sure, sure. sure. What I like about this is that it brings up these matters of of just justice. Like it, you know, it it sort of, what it does is it, is it is it sort of levels out our thinking on the things that we deem just and unjust. And so, um, you know, even having a conversation with my daughter about these things, you know, we're able to talk about. You know, there's a man. There's a just a general natural sense of outrage that that should sort of rise up in us um, and should desire to see that kind of thing punished, right? And um, so, I think that there's. I think it brings up some really really good conversations for us to have about sort of this natural reaction that we have for wanting to see certain things punished. And yet there are other things in our lives that we looked at that we're a little softer on that we actually, in a sense, act like this guy's dad about, you know what I mean? That we let slide a little bit. And, um, but when we see something like this, like, like nobody I'm talking to wants to see this slide and we want to see this kid receive the full force of the law come down upon him. Like, I don't want to, I don't want this guy to get out of jail. Right. Like, that's what I want. Like, I want to see this guy punished justly for a crime that deserves that level of justice. Well, And I think even beyond that, you want to see like actual repentance, actual contrition more than just. You know, oh, my kid's depressed. He's not eating as much because he's, you know, he's worried about his 
you know, his future earning potential, you know, like that's right. not contrition. That's not brokenness. That's not repentance. That's like you're bummed that you got caught. Right. You know, um, and, and, yeah, it's not it's not remorse. It's regret. Right. Is what and I mean, is. back to being yeah. a parent pipe, which you brought up that great point. I mean, back to raising boys or girls. I mean, the point of all discipline is to engender true repentance, you know, and, you know, God forbid if if one of our kids did something like this. As hard as it would be, it would be devastating. But what you would want to see, you know, whether the legal system brings it about or whether, you know, something we would say to them would bring it about, you want contrition. You know, you want brokenness. Yeah. You don't just want to see them being, oh, they're stressed, they're bummed out because they got caught. Um, and, and I think what you said was so apropos about this father. I mean, you've got multi generations of immaturity going on here, you know, and, and for a father to use the word, action in this context. Yeah. I mean, it's just astonishing. You know, it's, it's literally astonishing. And, and yet why are we surprised when we see immature older people? You know what I mean? Um, when yeah, our culture is so broken, our world's so broken. Well, that's it right there, T. I mean, we're talking, I mean, we're talking about a level of brokenness and depravity of which like you can't put a lid on. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't know any bounds. Yeah. And so from our perspective, from a, from the perspective of, of believers, we look at this and we just see, gosh, this is what happens when brokenness goes uncontained. Yeah. You you're, know? you're absolutely right. Big R. So you've got a judge playing God. You've got a parent just a, trying to. A judge who my understanding is also a former Stanford swimmer, by the way. So mm. just throw, throw a little extra, uh, sort of nepotism into the mix. Hmm. Mm. I mean, it's, ama- it's amazing that we're t- it's amazing that sports comes anywhere into this conversation. Do you know it what is, I mean in but, terms but of but like informing Sport, decisions? Sports are a mark of privilege because you see the That's same right. thing. I mean, the Baylor football program, Baylor University football program, is being systematically dismantled because they covered up a series, just sort of a pattern of sexual assaults against women. And the coach and the athletic director knew some aspect of this or willfully chose not to know, which is the same as knowing. And, uh, and they're now both out of jobs and a program that was becoming one of the, or was one of the strongest in the country will likely take a deep dive and who knows what sort of sanctions they'll face. Mm. And sports were the reason for it because you guys were talking about earning potential and protecting that. Well, they were protecting the privilege of these athletes and the fact right. that their their value was in their ability to tackle or run the ball or block. And well, Baylor's got a $150 million stadium to pay off now, right. which is going to be a lot harder to do and if so, they go two and nine every year. Yeah, so their earning potential was for the university, not for themselves, right. but that made them an asset to be protected and it made – the woman in each of those instances disposable by that ethic, which is well, and I can tell you this complete garbage. And you know this pipe. I mean, if you're any kind of a decent athlete, the first person you meet on campus when you're being recruited, they get a hot girl to show you around. I was never and, a good enough athlete to discover that, but I know it to be true for others. Well, but the implication is, you know, um, we're we're going to surround you with this if you come here. Yeah. And and certain things will be your purview, um, you know, that aren't there just for your run of the mill math major or whatever. And I, and I think being ensconced in a in an elite sports culture, it does it, it throws off your sense of what's normal and what's not normal, what's right, what's wrong. Um, it retards your development. Oftentimes, I think in terms of just thinking through 
what happens in relationships because there's so much consumption happening all around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, women are dehumanized in that context. And, I mean, and, and, and you get that from, I mean, porn is one of the largest industries in our country and it is, it's commonplace now. Like it's not even a thing that is viewed as, as morally reprehensible by the vast majority of the population anymore. It's, no, it's, it's, just, normalized. it's, it's normalized. It's normalized in pop culture. A, it's just a thing that that people yeah. consume, and right. what I mean that is that is feeding people daily an ethic that sex is about me, my pleasure, a no no commitment, no vulnerability, no exchange of affection whatsoever, and oftentimes the abuse and manipulation and exploitation of women. And so there is there is zero emotional damage portrayed and maximum emotional damage the the potential for it and then and then that is taken into a a college dorm full of full of you know weed and cocaine and alcohol and uh and what decisions do you think are going to be made when sex is all about me and I am all about me and I'm the most important person on campus and right. the only depiction of women I've ever had drilled into my head is that they do not matter and that they are objects for my pleasure. Of course, I'm going to make that decision, and that's and obviously I'm I'm portraying the 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 upside down ethic of things, not the way it ought to be. Yeah, and I think I mean, pipe. That's so well said. And so I think when we think about you know having daughters and we think about women i mean that is that is the pool that they are putting themselves in so i man i just think you know you think about you think about the kind of communication and the kind of uh you know the kind of counsel you can give women which is just man be very careful about where you put yourself you know i mean use wisdom use discernment about the places that you decide to step into because it's not safe we were talking about safety yeah. now and it's not yeah. it's not safe because you're describing a pool of men who have grown up with that type of sexual ethic. They've had nothing in their lives to communicate um, something that would um, allow them to uh, to to, uh, to value women. And I right. saw I saw another in, right as all of this was breaking with Baylor and Stanford and the sort of the sports angle. The Washington Post put out an article that surveyed several hundred college males more than half of whom admitted to coercing a female partner into sex, which I don't, I didn't read. I don't, I don't know what their, what their parameters were for coercing. Yeah. But, but I mean that those are not athletes. Those are just, those are just young men. And that, that is the, this is the payoff for the porn culture. This is the payoff for dads who are not raising boys to to as you said, Ronnie, to actually value women as fellow humans of equal stature in the eyes of God and the Absolutely. law and society and any other measure, and it's like it it is it's so completely it, it broken doesn't even begin to cover how upside down all this is. So so boys, as as fathers of daughters, let me bring this a little bit closer to home because you know in. In kind of some of the reform circles that I've run in, man, there there are some there seem to be some wildly kind of extreme responses to this. One of which is, you, you know, you basically do the equivalent of like throwing a burlap sack over your daughter and making her unattractive and saying, "Don't go to college because you know, uh, really, what's the point? You know, um, you're just in training to be a wife." I mean that that seems extreme to me, but 
I don't have a daughter. You know what I mean? And if I did, that might be my impulse. And can um, can and if I if I can interject, yeah, there there is a a distinct overlap between treating a daughter like that mm-hmm. and a college young man treating a woman like she is a piece of meat, because mm-hmm. you are you are treating your daughter as if she has no potential to be reached and is only to be handed off from you to the next guy who owns her. Right. That's so that's I. Yeah. That's it's well said. There, there's yeah, my well there's said. my rebuttal to that view. <laughs> Big R, yeah. you got anything on this before we move on? Yeah, I know, and I know this is re- I know this is heavy for the rant. So I appreciate yeah. our our listeners kind of engaging with us in this for sure. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it was I think it was a necessary thing for us to engage in. You know, so as the father of a daughter, so yeah, for me, um, you know, I I think of. You know, I think of, uh, you know, I think of protection in terms of, of, you know, not allowing yourself to be put into situations where you can be taken advantage of, where, where you can be victimized and um, that you can also have a, a worldview that, um, you know, a, a, you know, wh- why do we stand for a biblical worldview? Well, because that's the only worldview that you see any sense of true equality. That, that sees any sense of God saying, I, I value you as a man and a woman because you're both made in my image. And there's, um, and, and that's where we derive our sense of respect and, and value from. And so I think, you know, man, it's, it's up to us just to communicate that to our kids, whether we have sons or daughters. Um, they each have roles and they each have a, a place. Um, uh, you know, uh, in, in a, you know, a role to fulfill as men and women. I mean, what do we do as parents, but to say, Hey, this is the kind of value that, um, that, that the Bible has, has informed your life with. And for any, for anything that kind of like steers away from that or to the left or to the right of that, what we do is we descend into brokenness and brokenness has no boundaries in our culture. Mm. So that, there's where it is for us. Well I said. think. Well said, baby. Yeah, and let me just say too about our listeners. Um, thanks for hanging with that, but thanks for listening in general. And, and we haven't talked numbers in a while, pipe. But uh, but I, I I guess this thing is growing, right? People are uh, people yeah. are joining up every week, and and we're getting more and more listeners and more and more downloads. So uh, keep, so we, we appreciate keep, you doing that. Yeah, we keep hearing from people on Twitter. Hey, just discovered this. Just started listening. We've had multiple yeah. people who have said, you know, I'm on a cross country road trip and binge listening, which. I don't know what effect that has on someone's psyche, but uh, (laughs) I hope it puts them in a just a delightfully snarky mood. I hope so, too. I'm sure it does. Well, boys, speaking of being delightfully snarky, uh, we've got another topic here. And I I think the rest of the way out, these are all uh, listener suggested topics and uh, delightfully snarky topics. So, yeah, somebody uh, just just wrote in with a stunner. This is a great one. and I can't believe we haven't talked about it. It's uh, why aren't there daddy blogs? You know what I'm saying? There's 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 mommy blogs. It seems like, you know, you can swing a cat in any direction and hit a, a mom who has a blog and, and she's posting all the pictures of like the unique things that she's made and the, the kids looking amazing and delightful. Right. Well, there's uh, there's that style of mommy blog or there's the the world is falling down around me, but we're all in this together. You know, every right. every mom. You no, know, really, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. Talk about that kind of mommy blog. I think I think this is I don't know if it's younger moms or it's, yeah. you know, the, the shift towards authenticity. But it's the you know, I'm sitting here in a room full of unfolded laundry and mm. the dishes are dirty in the sink and and mm. sort of painting the picture of a chaotic home. But, yeah. you, you know, there's the there's the more faith angle where I'm, I'm finding my satisfaction in the Lord or there's the more confession angle like I just want to lock my kids in the closet 
<laughs> but then but then it's it's basically a uh, a community of support for like like pressured yeah. moms who are coming together and saying, "Yeah, me too." My, yeah, my laundry is thirty two. Yeah, my life you know, is a yeah, mess, and we're yeah. all in this together. Dude, this is fascinating. So, the the reader's question was, "Why aren't there daddy blogs?" Now, I, I want to ask the question before we even get into that: Are we sure there aren't? <laughs> Have you guys do do you know do you know of a daddy blog? Do you know anything of of this nature that exists? Because I'm guessing, man, and it, this is again, this is just a guess. There's some like thirty something hipster dad out there who who who's doing a daddy blog. Oh, and I mean, unarguably, yeah, there has sure. to be. Yeah, I haven't um, run across that. I've not run across that um, at this point. I maybe you know I've probably run across some regular blogs by dudes that insert a lot of like daddy information, or you see a lot now, of. Like, I know of this man. I yeah. yeah, I know of this. I know kind of, of a little this. crossover. It would be a little crossover. Yeah. stuff going on with that you and, know and yeah i think i feel like the closest you get are the uh the the guys who constantly post like daddy daughter date photos to facebook and instagram and stuff like that but there's not like subtext i'm a great father yeah look at what right. a great father i am yeah and uh yeah. and you know or th- those kinds of things but there's not the the sort of like community that surrounds them like mommy blogs are built on on this community aspect or herd aspect of like a mom writes about how hard her day is and like 400 women come alongside and say it's okay you can make it honey and uh-huh. uh there <laughs> i have never seen a dad blog like that Dude, why aren't we doing this for each other boys that's my question <laughs> why am i not writing a blog saying how hard my day was and i, I having 400 people Big go key, so just you because, ask yourself that question and, and get going yeah. on that. Get moving the, on that. The question, Dude, seriously. Well, here's the answer. If a yeah. friend of yours wrote a blog like that, how would you respond to your friend? I, I wouldn't read it for one thing. <laughs> okay, and if you did, I'd be too busy dealing with my stuff. <laughs> I I would probably tell my friend to shut stop. up and stop whining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, life is life is hard. Buck up. Dude, right, and, and the whole life is hard thing, man. And Big R, you could speak to this theologically. You're a man of the cloth here on the program. I love that like, phrase. Isn't there, isn't there a sense in which, you know, there's all this this blogging and, and, you know, my day and it's hard and, like, dude, the Bible is not unclear about this. Like, it is going to be hard. Yet yeah. there, there's this air of, like, surprise or disillusionment on these these blogs where uh, it, it somehow comes as uh, like a shock to people that, you know, that having kids is not all like ice cream and puppy dogs, you know? Yeah, because – well, yeah, absolutely. I mean the, the Bible's pretty clear. I mean all you got to do is read stories about how hard it was for all the characters you read about in the Bible. And then you get into the New Testament and you got a dude named Paul who just literally is telling you that it is hard. It's going to be hard. It was never not going to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. Let me chronicle all the the hardness and the heaviness I'm going through. And then, yeah, we act shocked because life is carrying some level of challenges for us. But I think it's because we have the outlet now to actually talk about how hard everything is. So in other words, if we have, if we have the ability to complain about um, our lives and the level of in uh, the level of challenges that we're faced with. I mean, because it's so easy now, because we sort of have the mechanism to do it. Uh, we're going to yeah. take advantage of that, right? So, Dude, because I can get and just just type out a blog and talk about how 
how woe is me about everything is. I mean, we're, we're going to take advantage of that. And that's always going to be easier than to talk about, you know, the blessings that we have in our lives. So it seems so like if, it goes woe is me or it goes look how perfect everything is. This is just idyllic and it's wonderful. But you know what, though? I would say that you don't – and again, Piper, you can speak to this. I don't see a lot of blogs that ha- that are idyllic. What I see is I feel like that's a little more saved for like our, our Instagrams and our Facebooks. Yeah. Just these little like one-shot – you know, sort of like idyllic, hey, this was the family today on vacation. This was the family enjoying our Saturday, which again, I don't even care about that. And I'm okay with that. But I think the blog culture, is, it, definitely, it, it definitely leans towards um, just a little bit more of a, of a woe is me. Well, and, I, and I think it's – yeah, I, I feel like – and going back to the, the sort of the gender divide between these things, if I'm having a brutal time familially, whatever that means, like just my kids are rotten and my kids are rotten a fair amount of the time because they're children and that's what children do. Uh, contrary to, <clears throat> I don't know, the way that they generally get presented as idols. It, I, I either just recognize that that's normal and this is just something we go through or I have like a friend or two who I'll just be like, hey, my kids are acting like this and then they'll just kind of laugh and be like, yeah, mine too. And then I like, there's my level. Oh, okay. I'm not the only one. Everybody has to deal with this stuff. And it's, I, why do I need to publicize how hard it is to be the father of a, a 10 year old who rolls her eyes at me constantly and talks back? Well, and again, too, is like dudes are not typically the primary caregivers for their kids. So, I mean, at the end of the day, moms are spent typically spent, don't get angry listeners but but really dudes are not spending the majority of the time with their kids that that moms are and so there there hasn't i don't think i don't think we've seen that type of culture with dads sort of rise up in in terms of becoming a a community whereas moms are always going to be able to find a community of moms what dads do is is say hey let's go hang out on the park where our kids play on the playground and we'll talk about the game you know and so there there's there's a little bit less in like minute to minute engagement with dads typically than there are with moms you know i think that's true you know so i mean so we're not we're not gathering around talking about like the challenges of like when the kid gets sick when the kid's not eating when the kid is having uh problems with this this particular thing when we can't put the kids down for a nap they never go to sleep then we have to take them to the doctor like most dads are not engaging in all the the minutiae of that i think so god (laughs) so Or, or if we are, it is, it is just a part of life. Like there's, I I do not, I don't feel a great sense of emotional investment in carpooling my kids around and how stressful that is. I, you know, I I don't get this, this great sense of my life is so difficult. Yeah. There are some days that are just stressful because, you know, my wife is working and I'm taking the kids from soccer to dance to, we got to go to the grocery store on the way home to get them dinner, to do homework, to whatever. But like we get, that's called just being a person. I know I get to the end of the day and I'm like, you know what, if I wasn't doing this, I'd be working and then writing and then on a call with somebody. And that's also busy. And you know, I I realize I sound soulless because it sounds like I don't have a relationship with my kids, but like that's they're just two different sets of responsibilities, and the relationship yeah. fits in somewhere. You know? I, you're just describing the difference between men and women. I mean, that's really all you're <laughs> you're you're just you're you're you know, men are from Mars, women from Venusing this whole thing. So basically, <laughs> because because men aren't not as emotionally driven. You know, we, we don't feel like we feel like the way that we we get through things is by accomplishing 
the tasks that it takes to get through the day with our kids. And that's sort of the catharsis for us. Well, the kid had an issue. I took care of it because men are typically fixers, whereas women fix things as well. But they, they also have the ability to emotionally um, vent about those things. And they, they typically like to do it in more communal settings with other women, whereas we just we're just like we're like there's a problem. I fixed it. And now I can move on to the next problem and fix that problem. And I don't really feel like I, I have I, I sort of have the need to emote about it. So I, it's just it's men and women right there. Now, yeah. Pipe, my whole thing from where I texted you and said that putting up the basketball hoop was the hardest thing I've ever done, <laughs> including adopting international. Vicky, that was insanely funny, by the way. I, I know. That was I, like a dad blog thing, though. I, w- I was emoting about just what I was going through emotionally. You well, know? tell the listeners what that what that text was. Baby, I was putting up um, an average run-of-the-mill like driveway basketball hoop, which you have to be – you have to be like a, an engineer from MIT to be able to put one of these things up. Is this up. one of the ones where like you have, to, you have to put it in a concrete base or is this like where you fill it up with sand or water? It's a sand or water. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's like yeah. the simplest of simple driveway basketball hoops on the well, scale. Well, you would think, Pipe, that it would be simple, but it's not because yeah. there's like – there's like – 110 pieces and like a 68-page instruction manual that's really poorly written and unclear. And uh, yeah, man, and you it basically was, it, you basically just gave up a weekend. You're never getting back. And I'm I'm going to tell you something, Big T. I'm with you because I had the same one at my house years ago, and I'm still yeah. angry about that weekend. I'm never going to get back from having. And to baby, listen, I'm a liberal arts major, man. I'm a writer. I I, I know nothing of wrenches and and you know. Um, bolts and that sort of thing. So, well, yeah, yeah I mean, right. Who, who, I mean, who are you talking to, right? I mean, it's yeah. like, I don't, when you say bolt, like, I'm yeah. thinking, like, what are you getting out of here really quick? Like, I don't even know what we're talking about. Maybe if you and I had to put some of those things together, it would take six weeks. <laughs> Thank God Tristan was involved, my son. He, he sort of saved the day on the whole thing. But right. he's uh, not artistically, he's not artistically minded. So he actually knows how to do something that a man is supposed to know how to do. Yeah. Thank is God. That what we're talking about. He, he's raising me in a sense. Thank God that you actually had a man. Yeah, they got ahead of man in the house. So I I, I tweeted out uh, that your text and uh, had one guy respond and said he tried to do the same thing and had to take the half assembled basketball hoop to a muffler shop so oh, they no. could so they could disassemble it so so that he could start over and get it right. So, oh my gosh! So, dude. You're, so, <laughs> so you there is a community of like minded males sharing their uh, their, dude, their emotional burdens. Yeah, guys, Absolutely. look, we're doing it. I mean, don't blink, but we're doing it right now. Dude, I mean, right it's now, happening get, right now. To be we just fair, changed to the format fair, of the show. To be fair, I'm laughing at you guys who can't assemble a basketball hoop. Well, you know, I mean, I was going to say that. I mean, I appreciate you. Right. I appreciate that you, you have a couple of sons, Big T. But like, what do you do if you're me and Piper and you, you are only able to produce women in the house? And uh, I mean, you're, you're I mean, you just you literally are like for me, not being like mechanical guy, like yeah. I'm completely out of options. Like you I gotta, either have you to gotta, do this. You got to just hire that out, man. You yeah, know, and by hiring it out, it. I just have my wife do it because she's way more mechanically inclined than I am. And I get in the kitchen and I, you know, I make us some toast and tea. And Baby, you know, so is the, Double K. Double K is way more mechanical than I am. Absolutely. Like she, she does that stuff and I entertain her. You know what I absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, like what can I do to help? Like can I go it's do the like, dishes while you put together the, that basketball thing or whatever, that soccer basketball hoop thing that you're doing out like, there? She's like, no, just sit there and tell me funny stories, you know? <laughs> But just but, sit there and do the podcast while I while I take care of this. Like right now, behind me, my wife's like just putting together something, you know. Dude, you yeah, she's got your she's changing the oil in your car and, and rotating the tires as we record. Yeah, absolutely. Hold on, babe. No, I, no, no. I can hear back the back tires range. to the front. Back tires. Yeah, to yeah. The back front. tires to the front. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm proud of you guys for knowing that. 
I was actually guessing at that, so thanks for affirming the truth that I got that Boys, right. We, we did get the basketball hoop up. It only took four hours, and um, and the guy, the guys have been playing. And you know, this, this is the this is the back end of this sort of thing. So you you move heaven and earth to get something like that put together, and then you go the, these freaking kids. They better play like for hours on that thing. You know yeah. what I mean? And they what like, they like dunked. They did like one hoop, and then they were like back like watching videos the rest of the day. Nah, right? they've been playing for hours, man. It's been really good. It's been satisfying. Oh, man. Yeah, but so, you're still angry about that four hours. And as I'm still I angry about the four hours, but I'll be posting like, you know, 78 idyllic pictures of them playing basketball and the in, as the sun sets behind them, you know. And then you can and you can start blogging about it, and then we'll we'll actually That'll be have my a next daddy, daddy blog. blog entry. Well, the, yeah, the the when when it comes full circle is when you can write the blog about how that four hours was totally worth it for your child's happiness. Right, it was totally worth it. I'll weave in some like biblical teaching about perseverance and you know how we grew closer as a result you know i guess the problem i have is i don't really believe that's true i just want my four hours back yeah i just want my basketball hoop and my four hours is that too much to ask apparently apparently the answer is yes unless unless you would have just gotten somebody mechanically inclined to put it together and then it would have been you know one hour of their time you would have had your basketball hoop problem solved t that's what you got to remember next time you got to be like big r here where it's this man i hire everything i mean if i i mean dude seriously man if i could get some guy to come in and brush my teeth in the morning i'd do that you know just open up the wallet man get the get the cash flowing out there dude you know what but 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 you know i think we all believe that this thing called time is money right so to Mm. me it's like i would rather spend that four hours doing something else just give a kid a couple of bucks to fill that you know (laughs) Put the sand in the base and get that thing up, and I come back. Time and is money. Presto. It's why we're all such rich guys, you know. Right. Absolutely. Everyone, take your financial advice from us. <laughs> well, I Put mean, down you that know, Dave Ramsey book. <laughs> I mean, when you have a podcast that's actually you know become the successful, I think we're qualified Although, now to give that kind of advice. To be fair, Ronnie's Ronnie's a pastor, which means that all he has to do is suggest that he might need help with something, and Dude, four, that's true. four people from his church will say. Oh, I can do that, or oh, my cousin does that, or like you have a, you know, a web of free connections because assuming your congregation doesn't hate you, they they just come and do nice things for you. Yeah, that's that's uh wow. Yeah, let me let me remind them of that. This, yep. this I, I mean, there I, you, go. There you, you could go. pay me to come in and remind them. Okay, Boys, we got a, we got a couple minutes left, man, and we got one more topic here to cover. And uh, maybe maybe we can just go around the the studio, as it were, and each give one memory. But uh, somebody wanted us to talk about Christian summer camps, like what we remember from our youth, like going to summer camp. And and this is especially poignant for me this year because I'm speaking at one of these things uh, in July. I'm like going back up to the camp in Michigan, and I'm uh, I'm the speaker. So uh, you better bring your A game on that Thursday night. That's when everybody's supposed to get saved. Baby, I know that's the thing, and I'm so worried about that. Like, because I'm not a contriver. I'm I'm not like an emotional heartstring puller when I speak. And um, yeah, I just don't even know how I'm going to do this. I might. I mean, are they? Up. I mean, Big T, are they asking you to do like the altar call scenario? Are they? Are they going Baby, there with you? They've, they've kind of like danced Hinted around it? it because they hired okay. me. They know what kind of guy I am. They know I'm not like a big a big pine cone on the fire, you know, heartstring pulling kind of guy. So I don't know what I'm going to do, man. Oh man, that's going to be interesting. We want to hear a full report about that. Oh, absolutely. You'll get a report for sure. Let's let, let's get some memories from you guys though. Maybe some of this will help me in my in my quest to to contrive the perfect emotional setting for Thursday night. Well, the 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 speaker always has an advantage because he doesn't have to create the setting. 
because yeah. there are there are usually two to three days of just sheer exhaustion built up by Thursday. Nobody's <laughs> sleeping. Right. Nobody's yeah. sleeping. Yeah. There's usually just gallons of Mountain Dew being consumed. So there's right. there's like this exhausted, Chemical, twitchy, yeah. chemically induced stupor. Um, right. The whoever is leading the music knows they they usually have a sense of how to sort of build the emotional soundtrack yeah. of the evening to to yep. the altar call. So all the speaker has to do is just open the door. Yeah. If yeah. you want to and then whoo, they right. just, they just straight up front. Here comes it here comes kids. I, I had a friend who just posted on Facebook a couple of days ago. He said he just he, he said, Phew, I I managed to be the first he said, I managed not to be the first summer camp speaker to not save any kids. He said, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, two two kids. I guess it counts. Yeah. Big T, did you hear that, man? Just, did, you hear, did you hear what Piper just said? Just open the door, dude. Dude, yeah. that just actually, the, the two kids thing, it fills me with stress. Because, like, what if I get zero <laughs> kids? You know? I feel well, like that could happen to me. Well, no, then, then if if you're afraid of that, then you have to bring in the superpower, which is large bonfire by a lake. Usually, if there's a ring of logs for them to sit on, or yeah. possibly a built-in amphitheater, depending on how nice the camp is. Um, that that usually takes care of it for you. Yeah, put put nature into the mix, dude. You bit. can get like you can throw down like a you you can throw down a big Paul Washer thing and get real hard, you know, get real reformed. Tell them none of them are saved, and you yeah. know, kind of you, you could do that really big like fire and brimstone kind of thing. I, I mean, I think that might be effective too because they're they're going to be at that place where they're 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 vulnerable and they're ready to hear that. You know, dude, just condemn, are. just condemn, just condemn, baby. When I was a kid, it was uh, two things, two memories I have of church camp. One was. This one summer, I, I don't even remember if there was a speaker, but I remember this speaker, quote unquote, would just show us. You remember this documentary, Hell's Bells? Yes. yes it was a super long yes. thing about how rock music is evil and you shouldn't yeah. watch music videos, except because, that, like. Because that was always kids' problems, was the music. That was always kids' problems. And it, it, except that the movie of Hell's Bells was like more music videos combined than I'd ever watched in my life on my own. Right. You know what I mean? It, it, it's like what <laughs> turned you on to a bunch of bands you would have never known about otherwise. Yeah, I'm like sitting there buying going, all their like, records. I'm like, oh, like Blue Oyster called. I had to, I had to get one of the records. You know, it's like, like I just I like got home riff. and bought that Led Zeppelin box set after seeing Hell's Bells. <laughs> exactly, like Stairway to Heaven. That's a great song. I can see why people like it. You <laughs> it know? sounds Christian too. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. You can. Fool so your there, there was the it. Hell's Bells summer, and then there was um, the summer of like Rapture videos. Like these things, these poorly made like yeah. C grade yeah. movies with like a little narrative where Th- somebody thief being, in the night and all those. Yeah. Thief in the C night. grade, C grade is being super generous, but yeah, C grade is being thief in the night. Like the plane's leaving and you're not on it. You know, yeah. for, for listeners, go look up thief in the night, the death of Patty on YouTube. It will uh, it will leave you both laughing and scarred forever. That was a that wasn't a summer camp thing for me, but it was a sixth grade Bible class. Yeah, uh, one of those videos, and it involves a guillotine and a woman. Uh, yeah, dude, tra- I remember trying the- to get saved, but it was too late. Dude, I remember yeah. the I, I literally I remember the guillotine scene like it was yesterday. Oh, like, everybody's seen the guillotine scene. Yes, death, I forgot that her name was Patty, which Patty. is like the greatest eighties name ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's outstanding. <laughs> oh, dude. You know what's funny? I don't remember anything about summer camps involving speakers. I don't know who spoke at any of our summer camps. I don't. That actually makes me feel really good. Like, yeah, continue I, those lines. But but I had a blast at camp. Like I went to camp I think three times between the ages of like ten and and then through junior high. 
And uh, one year was pretty crappy, but then two years, like, it was just fun. Like, I remember the games and the competitions and, yeah, yeah. and you know, you make these friends who you're certain are going to be friends for life and then you never talk and to them not. again. Because it was yeah. pre, you know, it was pre-Facebook, so you couldn't easily yeah, keep yeah. up with anybody. And, uh, like, you, it, none of the guys shower for a week because – and so there's just this odor in all of the like, – the cabins must just smell like outhouses. Oh. But – but it was amazing. I loved it for for the most part. But yeah, no uh, no spiritual influence on my life whatsoever from camp. Church retreats yeah. were a different matter. I think I got saved at every single one of those. But uh, yeah. but summer camps, just a ton of fun. Big Dude, T, no, I think you get man, saved I think at all of them. Were you just probably were you afraid to like offend the speaker? Like somebody's <laughs> got to go down there, kind of thing. Um. <laughs> You know, if, you know the, the way that our church did it, it was less about an altar call and more about like a, hey, here's a chance to uh, to confess, to, to kind of sort of more like a rededication. So it wasn't yeah, like yeah, a yeah. come down and, cause I, you know. I, I, like go pray with one of the counselors. Yeah, kind of. or like, in so, you know, if it was a smaller context, you like stand up and say, hey, I've really been struggling with this. And then there's like people come around and pray for you and then somebody else does it and it can last all night long. and. You never quite know if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's, uh, you know, the caffeine fatigue thing. But uh, it's that was church retreat camp. I don't I don't remember a single spiritual experience from camp. Yeah. None. Yeah. But, my, I, so, but I remember winning Capture the Flag and various other games and, and our cabin taking home the uh, the points title for the week. So that was cool. Well, that's you know, what's that, funny, that's boys. Yeah. yeah. In light of what we're doing now, I actually had uh, I had a radio show at camp. And by wow. radio show, I mean like there was this like crude intercom system that would go into like all the cabins, all the little like dormitories. And me and my friend Russell would go up there every morning and like we had we had a little like morning radio riff that we would do. And um, you know, I, I really think it was just God preparing my heart for uh for this. Absolutely. Uh, I mean this has to go into the bio when you when you write your bio. I mean it was it really always does. When always I write my, your future was was this was always your future. It was always my future. Ted and Russ's hour of power. That's it, man. When there's the huge like Steve Jobsian bio of of me. Oh, absolutely. You know, it'll be like 150 pages on that. Yeah, all right. You get moody on that real quick, man. I mean, we'll get moody on it. We'll we'll talk to Moody and boys. We uh we should wrap because we've uh we've wandered to and fro, uh and we truly have on this program. So uh, this has been great. Um, it feels to me like. There might not even be any time before we record the next app. You know what I mean? It's just We've it's such a long. joyful, yeah. yeah, it's such a joyful process for me. It's like it's like we do these things back to back. So uh, until next time, which for us will be in a couple minutes, which for the listeners will be in a week. Rachel the Held Evans. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.